I'm going to be talking about this, this subject, or it's a specific psalm, Psalm 56, and the title of my message is God is Near. So I want to ask you, as you think about God is near, just picture, where would you find God, right? If, if God's going to be near to you, like, are you standing next to a bubbling brook, right? And that's where God is near. Are you in a beautiful field of flowers, right? Where are you when you're expecting to find God near? Maybe it's a beautiful rainbow. Like I, I got a picture yesterday from someone uh, with the rainstorm that we had, and, and then this amazing rainbow came out. Like that, of course, you'd, you'd imagine God is near. But how about picturing God is near right in the midst of your most stressful moment in life, right? That, that God, God, could you be near to me in the midst of my tragedy, in the midst of my worst nightmare? Is that even possible? But we're going to find in Psalm 56, that's exactly where, where God is near to, to David, who, who wrote this psalm. And, you know, many times I've read through the psalms. I've read through the Bible many, many times. But usually, well, not usually, and for a few of the Psalms at the very front of it, before you even get to verse 1, there's like a little note that it gives. And, and that's where we have to start this morning. It's just with the note before Psalm 56, because it's so important to understand this note. And when I saw it this time reading through, it's something I've never seen before. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this like opens up this Psalm even more. So the note says this for the choir director. So it's kind of instructions. This is a psalm of David regarding the time the Philistines seized him in Gath and sing it to the tune of Dove on Distant Oaks. Now, I don't know the tune Dove on Distant Oaks. I don't think anybody knows that tune. But like this was a psalm that was meant to be sung. It's kind of like, hey, sing it to, you know, Unforgettable, right? And, uh, and David just put words to Unforgettable like Ed did uh, last, last week, and he made these words unoffendable. But what was happening in David's life when the Philistines seized him in Gath, right? So I went back looking. This, you find this story in First Chronicles, and, and it just so happens I've been reading through First Chronicles in, in my daily reading, right? Um, so what's been going on in First Chronicles is uh, Saul and David, right? You know, Saul was the, the king. Um, he did some things. God said, no longer you're going to be king, but Saul is still in the office of king, and, and David gets anointed as king, but David's not king yet, right? So he's anointed as king. He's not king. Saul is king. God has left Saul, but David and Saul start to fight. And, and David doesn't want any part of the fight. He's like, God, if you want me to be king, you're going you're gonna to allow me to be king. Anyway, Saul has it out for David. He wants to kill David. So you might know the story in, in First Chronicles as it's told, right? Saul and Jonathan are there, and Jonathan tells David, David, you better run because my dad has it out. He's trying to kill you. So David runs, and, and this is what happens. David runs. First place he goes to is to the priest. Okay, if you're going to run, good place to go. Why not, why not go to the house of the Lord? He sees the priest, and he's like, do you got any food? And the priest is like, oh, David, I, I wasn't expecting you or your men to show up. Like, the only food I have is, is the food that we keep in the temple. It's already been offered to the Lord. But, you know, if your men are clean, we, we can give you that food. And David's like, sure. So he takes the food. Then David goes, do you have a weapon? I'm like, David, the man that he's like, he was the head of the army for Saul, and he leaves, he runs without his weapon? Like, oh my gosh, this guy is really running scared. So the only weapon that the priest has is the sword that killed Goliath, right? Remember David and Goliath, right? It's that big sword. So David takes that sword. That's going to be his sword that he's going to go and use, right, uh, if Saul comes after him. So then his men go off. Where does he run next? He runs to Gath. Now, Gath 
was a Philistine land, right? It was, it was a certain king that he ran to. But you, you got to remember that, you know, when David was fighting for Saul, they fought many times against the Philistines. So David's thinking, if I go to the Philistines, like Saul's never going to go look for me in his enemies, right? Where, where his enemies are. That should be a safe place. So makes kind of common sense, but not so much common sense because there's this song that's been sung throughout all of Israel, right? And the song has been this. Saul has killed his thousands. David's what? Killed his ten thousands. A thousand who? Ten thousand who? Philistines, right? So now David goes to the Philistines and they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Isn't this the David that everybody's been singing about? Like Saul's killed his thousand. We're not letting him come into our land. And then we start Psalm 56. All right, so you, so you understand now where we are. David's kind of in a, in a mess of trouble. If I were to portray it, I'd say, David, you blew it. You shouldn't have gone to the Philistines like you. You were thinking rashly. You weren't really asking God what to do. So here we start. David's praying, oh, God, have mercy on me, for people are hounding me. My foes attack me all day long. I'm constantly hounded by those who slander me, and many are boldly attacking me. You know, I, I understand why David would say this, right? Because they wanted to put him, you know, in jail. He's, he's in the Philistines' camp. He's in the enemy. He's killed many of their brothers, perhaps. And he's in a pickle. But what does he do? He cries out to God and asks God for mercy. Now, I don't know, maybe you've never been in a situation where you've been in trouble, but like this is trouble David brought on himself, Anybody ever feel like if you, if you make your bed, you got to lay in it, right? If, if you're the one that caused the trouble to come, like suffer the consequences, like own up to it, be accountable. David's like, God, help me. He, he's not afraid to say, okay, I, I know I might have blown it, but God, I need your help. Now, I remember a time I made a mistake. Only once. No, just kidding. I make a lot of mistakes. But this happened to be a time I was driving home from work on 495 North. It's dark early in the wintertime, so, you know, 6 or 7 o'clock at night, I'm driving home. And I'm in the left lane, and I happen to be talking to my friend, Pastor Ed. And we're in this great conversation. And, like, you know, people come behind you in the left lane, and, all right, I'll speed up a little bit. Maybe I'll get over. I don't get over. And, and anyway, there's this annoying guy in my rear view, but I'm not really paying any attention to him because I'm on the phone with Pastor Ed until he turns on his lights, <laughs> And he pulls me over. And I look down, I'm like, 82, shoot. I guess I'm going a little fast, right? So I'm in a mess of trouble. But who created the trouble? I did. I, I'm the dummy that was going too fast. I kind of deserve it, don't I, right? So, so how many of us feel like, okay, can you pray in a situation like that? Is it even fair to pray? Like, I made a mistake. But this is what David's doing. He's, he's praying right in the middle of his mistake. And so after we see verses 1 and 2, this is where he goes next. He's lamenting in verse 1 and 2. And then in verse 3 and 4, he says, But when I'm afraid, I'm going to put my trust in you, God. I praise God for what he's promised. I trust in God. Why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? So all of a sudden, we start to see a shift in what David's doing. He's crying out to God, God, everybody's after me. No one likes me. I'm, I'm screwed. And then he starts to say, but when I'm afraid, I'm going to put my trust in you. I praise you for what you've promised. I trust in you. Why should I be afraid? And he gets all of a sudden this heavenly perspective. God, if you're for me, who can be against me? What, what can a mere man do to me, God, if you are for me? Right? And, and there's such a transition that happens 
with, with David here, that he not only prays to God, but now he's, he's starting to look at what all that God has promised him. So what are God's promises to me and you today? Right? What does he say in his word? Does God promise us a trouble-free life? No, I wish I could say he, did, he does, but he doesn't. He promises that we will have trouble, but that he's overcome the world. He promises never to leave us or forsake us. He, he promises that he'll always be with us. Right? God promises that he'll work all things out together for our good when we trust him and, and we're called according to his purpose. He promises us that we'll have a future and a hope. But in the middle of our trouble, sometimes isn't it hard to stand on God's promises? Like, God, none of these seem true right now for me. How can I claim your promises are true? But that's what David does. And he starts to remember God's promises. And he starts to praise God, which is such an amazing thing. To praise God, the answer hadn't come. He's not praising, praise you, God, you delivered me. No, he's still in the Philistine camp. But he's praising God right in the middle of his situation, right? There's something that's so powerful to praise God before the answer comes. Don't wait for the answer to come. What faith does that take, right? To, to praise God when the answer's already come, that's easy. I want to see, can we praise God right in the middle of our trouble? Because that's what David does, and I think it's an example to all of us. And, and then I look forward to, to verse 8 here. I love this verse. It's so, it's so precious to me. And this is where I, I got the title from. You keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. To, to think that God would care so much for you and I, that he would know every time you cry. Mary, God saw your, your tears during worship today. He was right there. It made you speechless, which is awesome. But God knew that you were there. Just a week ago, I married my, my youngest daughter off. And you know, you can imagine, you, you've seen me get ma- emotional many Sundays. Imagine what I was like walking her down the aisle. The truth is, I never cried walking her down the aisle. It was amazing, right? But leading up to the wedding, every time I listened to the song we were going to dance to or, or kind of thought about what I would say at her reception for the toast, I was a basket case. I was bawling my eyes out. So God knew all those tears. He, he was near to me in that time. And then in the moment when I got to walk her down, she's like, Dad, don't cry. You're going to make me cry. It's going to stain my makeup. Like, please, Dad. I was all composed. I had it. You know, and then I go from a situation like that to hearing the news about our brother, Dennis LaCroix, last Sunday. And if you didn't know, our, our brother, Dennis, an usher here, passed away very suddenly last Sunday. We had his memorial service this past Friday. It was such a beautiful service. If you were not able to attend, we did tape it. We're going to be, we need to do a little editing to it. We'll put it up on our Facebook page in the, in the coming weeks. So if you want to see the service, you're, you're, you'll be able to. But you know, the, some of the families here, I know you guys have shed tears over Dennis. I've shed tears over Dennis. He was a good brother. God is near to us. Whenever we we find ourselves in the place of God, I don't even know how to explain this. God is near to us. And that's what David says. He keeps track of all of our sorrows. So how does the psalm end? My enemies will retreat when I call to you for help. This I know, God is on my side. Isn't that amazing that we could say that, God, I trust in you and I know you are so powerful that when I call on you, my enemies, they're going to have to retreat. They're going to have to flee. David's saying this, remember, while he's still in the Philistines' camp and he's, you know, captive with them. He's like, God is on my side. I'll sing praise for what he's promised. Yes, I'll praise the Lord for what he's promised, 
I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? I'll fulfill my my vows to you, O God, and will offer sacrifice of thanks for your help. For you've rescued me from death. You've kept my feet from slipping. So now I can walk in your presence, O God, in your life-giving light. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? So if we were to take a page out of this, out of David's book, take a page out of Psalm 56, here's what I want us to remember. When we're in trouble, it doesn't matter if you were the bonehead person that that made a brain-dead move and you caused the trouble, you can still cry out to God. Maybe you had nothing to do with with the trouble at all. We cry out to God. When we're afraid, we put our trust in God. Right? God is trustworthy. You can give him your trust even when you're afraid. There was something I see about how David, it's like as he prayed and, and as he praised God, something rose up within him. And, and, you know, so many of us, maybe we were taught, hey, you need to pray. And, and we look at pray, prayer as an expense where something's taken out of our account. For, for David, when he prayed, something filled him up. It was a deposit as he prayed. What would it look like this week for us to pray in such a way that we view it now as a deposit, it's not an expense. I think it would change our prayer lives if we did that. And lastly, it's not clicking. Will you get one more? Do one more click for me. We can know that God is near, and we can know that God would rescue us. So, so I don't know what your situation is that you're going through, I, I, but I do know that in the midst of whatever trouble you're in, or, or if you're not in trouble, you know what, say, put this on the shelf, save it for a rainy day, because there's going to be a day where you're in trouble, right? That we can go before the Lord, no matter what we're in, and cry out to him, and praise him right in the middle, and know that God is going to show up, that he's near. So let's pray today. Father, we lift our hands to you, God, and we give you the, the situations that we're in. Lord, if, if we're in trouble, Father, we just lay it down at your feet. God, help us. We cry out to you as David cried out to you. But God, we ask in Jesus' name, Lord, that we could remember your promises this morning, that you're faithful to us. God, if, if you before us, who can be against us? God, if, if you're loving us, Lord, there's nothing that's ever going to separate us from the love of God. So I, I thank you this morning, Jesus, for your presence. God, I thank you that you're near, that you rescue us. So Lord, would you be near to each one? God, you've seen the tears over the past week. You've seen the tears over this situation. You're near to us, God, and we reach out and we pray for your comfort. We pray for your grace. We pray for your help in time of need. So God, we give you praise today, Lord, not for the answer because maybe the answer hasn't come, but we give you praise for who you are, God. And we thank you for being in our midst and being a very present help in our trouble. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us. If you need prayer, please feel forward to come up in prayer. Just bring them, wear your mask as you come, and and we'll, we'll pray with you. Thank you.